Hey, CA Church, Merry Christmas. I hope you and your family are well in this challenging and unusual Christmas that we're facing. But if you think about it, the first Christmas had nothing ordinary about it. Angels showing up to people, Mary conceiving of the Holy Spirit, wise men following stars, a woman traveling a long distance on a donkey's back at 37 weeks pregnant. This is no typical Christmas. I was spending time reading through the unusual Christmas story and was thinking about Zachariah and his son John the Baptist and the role they play in the lead up to Luke's version of the Christmas story. There's one story that stood out to me uh, with Elizabeth, the mother of John. She was visiting Mary, who was carrying Jesus at the time. And it says that Elizabeth's baby, John, jumped in the womb. Jessica and I, we were just laughing as we considered how much Emmy uh, liked to jump in the womb. Emmy was a wiggly baby. She tossed and turned and leaped for what felt like all of Jessica's pregnancy. Right around the tail end, the kicking and the punching, it got so bad, Jessica was sitting there moaning and complaining. And I said, uh, I said something that no man should say to his eight-month pregnant wife. Well, she's not moving that much, right? Like, obviously, you're exaggerating. This led to a reaction uh, that was pretty hilarious, and actually 115,000 people have watched it on TikTok, but I'll say this, she was not impressed. But back to the story of John the Baptist, I want to spend a little bit of time on the backstory of this little womb leaper, specifically regarding his parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth. They were people who had devoted their lives to serving God. They lived rightly, but they'd been childless through all their marriage. Zachariah happened to be a Jewish priest, and while performing some of his duties in the temple, he has this dramatic encounter with the angel Gabriel, who appears to him in the sanctuary. Gabriel tells him that his wife will conceive, which is hard to believe because they are super old, and Zachariah expresses his doubts as a consequence. He actually becomes mute for nine months until this child arrives. During this time of speechless reflection and preparation for his son, he finally speaks He's filled with the Spirit. He utters prophetic words about what has and will happen through his Son and regarding the Son of God, Jesus. I want us to read this prophetic paragraph today because I believe it speaks to our situation and will encourage us. So if you're willing and able, would you please stand as we read the Word of God today? Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 68. We'll read to 80. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant that he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We've been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my son, you'll be called a prophet of the Most High because you have prepared the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to give us the path of peace. John grew up and became strong in the spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he became his, began his public ministry to Israel. You might be asking, 
Why is this relevant to us today? I think it's because many of us share the needs and concerns of the words of this prophecy. Do we need a savior? (laughs) Do we need God to keep his promises? Do we have enemies today? Do we need forgiveness? Do we have reason to fear? Does the world feel dark? Like we live in the shadow of death? Do we need a path to peace? (laughs) I think we know the answer to these questions is a resounding yes, yes. We need these things so, so desperately. 2020 has been a wild year, a year where it feels like there are fears and new enemies with each passing week. And throughout this text, Zechariah keeps coming back to this theme that our enemies will be defeated and our fears will be put to rest because of the coming Messiah. Zechariah, of course, was politically thinking about this, the idea of saving Israel from the rule of Rome. But it applies to us in a significant way um, as we think about how Jesus defeats our great enemies of sin and Satan and death and hell and suffering, sickness. He'll, he'll save us. If you look at verse 74 and 75, here's what it says. We've been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, he's talking about John the Baptist, will be the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. Zechariah has this revelation that the one whom his son will prepare the way for can come and rescue us from our enemies and our fears so we can serve him as long as we live fearlessly in holiness and as righteous people. I want to spend some time going through some of the enemies and fears he's delivered us from. Let us start with our enemies, the fear of enemies. We have lived in a constant state of fear of this unseen enemy for 10 months now. Fear about tomorrow, fear of the virus, fear maybe for our finances, our jobs, fearful we won't see our loved ones. It's fear of enemies. And as I think about it, man, I I begin to relive the gripping fear when I feel a cold or a flu coming on of late. Just asking myself the question, like, do I have the virus? Um, Have I given it to my wife, my baby? Will my family be okay? thinking through the dozens of repercussions um, that it could cause, and fear begins to grip my heart. I feel physically anxious. The good news that Zachariah tells us is this, is that he has sent us a mighty Savior. In your translation, it may say a horn of salvation. Um, In his exposition of the Bible, John Gill, he, he illustrated the horn as being a force used to push and scatter and destroy Israel's enemies and save them from harm. And this is the way that that Zechariah is prophetically using it here. The image of the horn points to the strength of the one to come. This metaphor looks back to the strong horns of an ox that can defeat its opponents. Uh, Maybe perhaps you've seen a deer or a moose or an elephant that has large horns or or tusks. But in the wild, whoever has the biggest horns usually wins. (laughs) And in essence, he is saying he he is a big horn. He has incredible strength. So what this is saying is that in Jesus, God has sent us a mighty and strong warrior who can defend and ward off and save us from the defeat of our enemies. Friends, he is strong enough to save us. I want you to know that right now. I want you to hear that. He is strong enough to save us. He is still strong and mighty to save. And secondly, he is a king. He's a king. You know, maybe the second fear 
that you might be having is this, is that maybe the fear that God will not keep his promises. Many of us have struggled in this season to believe that God will keep his promises, that he'll actually come through, that he really is Emmanuel, God with us. He seems far. He seems like he has forsaken the world. Will he really make all things new? Will he really restore our broken world? It seems to be getting increasingly unsteady in this time. And Zechariah prophetically reminds us, he has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Once again, this is a great reminder for us that God keeps his promises. He promised that the Messiah, the savior, would come from the line, the house of David, and he did. Now, he accomplished this in his timing, but he was faithful to fulfill his promise. And this is who Jesus is. From the line of David, he is a king. Not like the kings of old who failed, were selfish and fallen, but rather a true and a good king that Israel had been longing for. And he kept his promise. And because he's a king, guys, We can actually believe that he rules and he reigns, that he has power to change even the direst of situations. This is good news for us. And this leads us to our our third enemy that I want to address, the enemy of sin. This last 10 months, people's lives were uprooted. Their schedules were thrown out the window. uh, And I have walked with so many people walking through just desperate and dire seasons of sin where they've just been messing up time and time again. And the fear that you might be having right now is this, if, if you're someone like that, is, am I worthy? Um, is God angry at me? Can I be forgiven, restored, renewed? And this prophecy declares that Zachariah's son, John, will point us to the one who gives us salvation and forgiveness of sins. He reminds us he has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his covenant the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. Do you remember this? When God made a promise, he made a covenant with Abraham that he would bless his children and his children's children and that he would redeem them, that he would be with them, that he would give them the land, he would bless them. And in the same way, he prepared a sacrifice for Abraham. Remember this? He was about to sacrifice his son and along comes a ram. He will do this for us. He will prepare a sacrifice for us. And this sacrifice is the person, Jesus Christ, who came at Christmas. Zachariah says, because of this, we can actually live without fear. And we can be holy. That means to be set apart and righteous, right with God. For all of our days, I want you to remind you in this season that this baby who came named Jesus, he is a forgiver. He can forgive your darkest confidences and worst errors. He is a redeemer. He will redeem you. Friends, he is good. And this leads us to our our fourth fear that I want to address, the fear of darkness and death. In this text, it says that those who feel like they've been in darkness and in the shadow of death, this world has felt so dark and hopeless as if we sit in the very shadow of death. Divorce, alcohol abuse, drug overdose, crippling loneliness, suicide, it's at an all-time high. Natural disasters like the one that hit Honduras recently, racial injustice has been brought to the forefront of our minds. We we sit in this dark world and we sit in the shadow of death and it feels like each day there, there are more announcements and more deaths due to the pandemic. 
And not just deaths due to the coronavirus, but death as a result of the shadow pandemics that we've been facing. You may be asking yourself, can it get any worse than this? Will we be okay? This prophecy reminds us, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. What a powerful promise for this moment right now. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. No, like, not, not about to, it, it has. It has broken upon us. It has given light to those who sit in darkness. It has given light to those who sit in the shadow of death. Yes, things are dark. These times are dark, but Jesus is a light in the darkness. He is like a nightlight that gives comfort in the middle of the night when we were kids. You remember that? He's like a campfire that gives us a sense of safety and warmth in the coldest and darkest of times. And more than light, in him is life. Life after the grave, friends. Life even though we are surrounded by death. And I'm reminded of John chapter 1, verse 4. It says the word, and it's talking about Jesus, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought about light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. This is good news. The light of Jesus has come. And in him is life. And even though we feel like we might be in the midst of like life's darkest season, even though right now you might be literally sitting in the shadow of death, this text encourages us once again that the light of Jesus is about to break upon us. The light is about to penetrate the darkness. The light is about to show up. He is good. He is great. He is kind and he is coming. He has come at Christmas. This is what we remember. And I want to encourage you right now as you're watching this, as dark as things get, even if they get darker than they are now, what we remember What we are preparing for at Christmas is a God who is the light of the world and can bring light into even the darkest of situations. And man, this this leads us to our last point. I think many of us, we are looking for peace. We're looking for a path to peace. I found myself in the season just chasing after paths of peace that do not bring life, that do not bring hope numbing my mind with media and Instagram scrolling and Netflix. We see many of us chasing after peace in political heroes. (laughs) If only this party wins, then we'll have peace. We see some of us looking towards a year. Once 2021 comes, then we will have peace. But this text reminds us that Jesus is the path to peace. In fact, elsewhere in the scripture, it reminds us that Jesus is the prince of peace, that he is the one who truly can bring peace. And so are you looking to him, the path of peace? This text promises us, reminds us, encourages us that there is a path of peace found in Jesus Christ this Christmas, that we can have peace, peace that will satisfy our souls, peace that will comfort our anxious hearts, peace. 
Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he has come to bring a path of peace for those who are looking for it. Do you need peace? Because friends, peace is not going to be found in a vaccine. It might, it might bring some hope. It might bring some reprieve, reprieve in this city that, or sorry, this time that we're facing, but it will not bring peace, ultimate peace. Only that peace can be found in Jesus. Peace will not be found in a year. 2021, although we all longingly look at the calendar, we look at January and say, oh man, maybe, maybe then there'll be peace. This year will not bring peace. Politicians, although they can bring about good, they will not bring about ultimate peace. It is only the person of Jesus Christ who will bring the peace that we are looking for. And so friends, if we truly believe this is Christmas, if we truly believe that this is true, we, like Zechariah, can say, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed the people of Israel. We can actually, in our hearts, believe that, like praise the Lord, praise God, the God of Israel, because he has come. And so, as you're preparing for Jesus this Christmas, how do you need to reorient your fears? How do you need to reorient your heart? Where do you need to stop looking and start looking? So for Zachariah and us, this event is a reminder that God has and will once again visit his people and show up. He isn't done with us. He is redeeming through the coming of this Messiah, Jesus Christ. He has come in the incarnation. He has not forgotten about the world. This is such an important reminder that God has not forgotten about us. And even after long periods of silence, God can and will show up. He visited them, and perhaps he desires to visit us this Christmas through his spirit and his presence. Hey, you might be sitting there right now, and you're just sensing in your soul, like, I need this. I need Jesus. <laughs> I need the Jesus that was prophesied in this text. I need a mighty savior. I need a, a coming king. Um, I need a redeemer and forgiver. I need someone who can cast away my fears and defeat my enemies. I desperately, desperately need what you're talking about. I need light in the darkness of my life and my soul. I need the life um, that Jesus offers Like as I just sit in the shadow of death. I need the path of peace. And if that's you right now, I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with the rest of us who believe in just a few moments. We're, we're all just going to conclude and end with a prayer. And if that's you, would you just resonate in your heart? Maybe even repeat the words in your heart as just a way of saying, Jesus, I want to place my trust and my hope in you. And so let's conclude our time by just praising God, by praying to God for who he is and what he's done because he has visited us and he has redeemed us that Christmas and this Christmas. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you right now. <laughs> Those of us who believe, we just want to say like, thank you. Help us, God, reorient our minds, our hearts, our fears. But there are some even right now who might be praying this prayer, God, and uh, it's for the very first time. And I ask that you would enter into their life. You would transform and you would change them. And so all of us together, Lord, we, we just want to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. 
Thank you, Lord, that you visited them and that you're visiting us. Thank you, God, that you are a mighty Savior, Lord, that you are a king, (laughs) that, Lord, you are a God who keeps his promises. You're the God who comes through. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive us. You transform us. You cast away our fears. You defeat our enemies. And so, Lord, this Christmas, we place our hope in you. We place our trust in you. We reorient our minds and our hearts back towards you. We take our eyes off of these false saviors that are going to fail us. And we look to you and you alone. We ask that you would bring light into the darkness of our souls. We ask that you bring life into our spirits, God. Lord, and most of all, God, you would give us peace. Prince of peace, you would give us a path to peace. We desperately, desperately need you this Christmas. And so we look to you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.